Well, as we come to God's Word today, uh, it is with fond memories of last week's message that we do so. Last week, uh, God's Word here, we're preaching through 1 Corinthians, uh, brought us to the subject of uh, marital intimacy and, uh, and sexuality. And many of you were kind enough, uh, after the message, to give me encouragement that uh, it in fact had had uh, some help and blessing to you, and I understand that we sold out CDs in the media center, so I take from that that there apparently is uh, some high level of interest in the subject. So that's great. I also received some constructive criticism after the message, uh, suggesting that I had not gone far enough in giving practical application on it. So, first of all, I want you to know that I don't really know any practical application on that. (laughs) So I didn't really have anything to say. And secondly, if I did have a lot of practical application you'd wonder where I got it from. So better for uh, the single pastor to steer clear of the how-to guide and to stay more on the theological and the theoretical and the philosophical than the practical. So that was last week. More general than practical, largely because I don't know much practical. Oh, what a difference a week can make. This week... We come to a subject uh, with which I am uh, quite familiar, something that I have many years of experience. Singleness is our subject today. I come here today with 41 years of experience on the subject. I I actually have an honorary doctorate uh, in it (laughs) that I recently bestowed on myself, so Wouldn't want to say that I'm necessarily the expert, but uh, might at least have some basis for what I'm saying here today out of my own experience. And there's no question that the church, and by that I mean capital C Church, the church broadly, is in need of a better understanding and a better appreciation of what the Bible has to say about a massive demographic in any church. You know, nearly half of the American population is single. Okay, almost half. Uh, so we could assume that then in uh, churches you have a perhaps a similar percentage of people that that are single. And yet you think about so many churches. I'd say most churches revolve their ministries around uh, family and marriage and children and parenting issues, leaving this huge uh, portion of the church kind of wondering, what about you know what about us and how should we look at God's calling in our life, at least at this point, and what does this mean? And how, how, should, how should singles relate to, to uh, the married brothers and sisters and the married to the singles? And so this is something that's very important, and I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that we're on the subject. Single, by the way, includes those who have never been married, uh, those who've been married and have lost their spouse. Uh, they're now a widow or a widower. And also... Uh, those who are married and are now uh, divorced. This is a big group. This is a big group in our church. And so it's a, it's a group that needs to, uh, needs to hear 
from the pulpit and from God's word uh, what God's call is in their life. Now, if you were to look at the story of the church, you would suppose that the danger, the real danger would be that the church would uh, elevate singleness too high. Because if you think of the story of the church, the two greatest heroes of the story in the early church, first of all, we would probably say the Apostle Paul. You might argue, oh, I think Peter was really the man. But, you know, Paul wrote more. So we'll give Paul the nod as far as the New Testament. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, you know, second biggest hero probably in the story of the early church was single. So you could say, well, then the danger is going to be that the church is going to get all about singleness and talk too much about singleness all the time, and then the married folks would feel left out. The other hero of the story, of course, is Jesus, who was a single adult, male, uh, and still is, by the way. (laughs) So you think Jesus... Paul, the real danger would be the church would make too much of singleness and the married people would feel left out. Which is ironic, isn't it? Because in reality, it is generally the opposite of that. The New Testament list of uh, parent singles includes other luminaries like John the Baptist, Luke, Silas, Barnabas, Timothy, Titus, and others. In fact, the only married couple that is highlighted at, really at all in the New Testament is Aquila and Priscilla. Everybody else seems to be single. So imagine going to the early church, and you might sort of think it's sort of like, you know, maybe modern day church today. It was probably more like going to a singles party. Not with all of the, you know, meat market aspect of it, but you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the fact that everyone, you know, people were there and it's, you know, maybe there's a husband here whose wife isn't saved and you got this single person here. I mean, it's probably different than what we imagine. So, again, if you started with the, with the early church, you would have the fear that we would make too much of singleness, not too little. The opposite is the case in almost, I'd say, in, in most churches where uh, oftentimes, and again, this is me, okay, so I can say this. I'm going to say things today that if a married pastor ever said them, singles would, like, bludgeon him behind the church. So, I can get away with it, though, because I... I am one of them. I'd be bludgeoning myself. So we don't want that. Um, What was I saying? I lost my train of thought on that point. I I, I imagined getting beaten up and I lost my train of thought here. Um, I know what I was going to say. One of the things that I've always thought is a really great side effect of my my being single, senior pastor of the church being single, is that if there was a church in America where singles should feel welcome and accepted, it would be this one. Because if you weren't welcome and accepted as a single, then they would never have me be the pastor here. And I am at least through today. So this is a place <laughs> that if you are single, uh, welcome. This is a place where uh, you are on equal footing and, and, and ought to be. And after today's message, I hope uh, with a particular... Um, honor and respect that the Bible calls for us to have. It seems to me, though, in the church that this is not the attitude, and many people in the church view singleness as a disease that needs to be cured. I know this personally because oftentimes when I am uh, meeting people and introduced to, uh, to people, they don't necessarily know that I'm single. And this is, I can write the script for this. It's happened over and over and over again. I will meet somebody and uh, I'll say, oh, is this your children? And oh, you're, oh, yeah, so good to meet you and all of this. And uh, then they'll look at me and they'll say, uh, do, 
uh, do you have any children? And my response to that is, uh, no, I thought I would get a wife first. And they're like, and here's what happens from this point on. Here's what happens. it's, It's something like this. Oh. Um. Wow. And here's now the words that come out of their mouth. Well, I'm sure the right one is out there somewhere. Do married people take a class where they teach you how to respond to single people? Like, we're wanting to know your perspective on whether or not there is any possibility in our life. I don't know. Why do you say these things? You do again and again, and every single person here is going, that has happened to me so many times. Amen? Amen. All right, so... This is not the way to approach it. Because by saying these kind of things, it's sort of like, oh, you're incomplete. You are not yet what you could be, and I might add, should be. And perhaps I'll be the one to take care of this problem. I will heal the disease. Listen, realize something about singleness. Everybody here was single at one time. Okay? Y'all were. If you are married today, it is likely that one of the two of you are going to be single again at some point. And might be for a long time. We have widows in our church who have been single for decades. Okay, so this is coming. Uh, also, parents realize that you are, you are raising single people. They're, they're, they're single when they're little. And, and some of them stay single for a very long time. <laughs> and so if, if there's any sort of a, a sense in the church or in your home where this is so, somehow inappropriate or isn't quite right or something, then this is going to be a problem. So for these and a host of other reasons, the church needs to be a place where married or single, we understand these things biblically. How often do I do this? We've got to look at everything this way and filter everything through God's word. Here we have another issue like that. And to ask ourselves, is my perspective on this, is it informed by the scriptures or not? So let's get this solid understanding and try to understand what this is, uh, what God has to say to us today. We're in chapter 7, and I struggled with how to approach the chapter because Paul basically swings back and forth between words to the married and then words to the single and words to the married and words to the widows, and and it's, it's sort of back and forth. So I think we're going to tackle it more thematically and try to pull in these different things that he's saying. Uh, So today we begin with singles. And let me read our passage, 1 Corinthians 7, beginning in verse 6. Now as a concession, not as a command, I say this. I think that's a very unhelpful paragraph uh, start. The paragraph starts are not inspired. Somebody else has done that. That really is referring to what he has said prior to the fact that married couples are not to deprive one another only if they need to pray for a short period of time. And he says, I only give that to you as a concession. So even prayer was kind of like, okay, I'll give you that, but, but not as a command. Verse 7 begins now a new thought. Here's what he says. I wish that all were as I myself am. 
But each one has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to be aflame with passion. And that's going to be a fun verse when we get to it. All right, so we have this gear shift in verse 7 where he now speaks biographically about himself, I wish, frankly, that everybody was like I am. So we could ask the question, well, then what is Paul talking about? Well, Paul was single. And there's a lot of debate as to whether he was married in the past. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. And to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to be married. So the... Most people think that he probably was at some time in the past, and his wife either died, or the Apostle Paul may have been divorced. And when he, be, like, when he became a Christian, his wife could have said, listen, I am not a part of this, and, and taken off uh, on him, which might explain why he talks about a little bit later, when an unbelieving spouse leaves, that you are not bound under that. We don't know. Really, we don't know. Okay, But we do know that when he's writing this, that he is single. And He's getting at something here. He's he's getting at the fact that singleness is, to him, a gift. Singleness is a gift. Each man has his own gift from God. Verse 7, one of one kind and one of another. Now here Paul uses for the word gift a familiar Greek word. It is the word charisma. Uh, Charisma. It's used in the New Testament to describe spiritual gifts, like Romans 12. The normal list of spiritual gifts, they're called charismas, literally grace gifts. Singleness is a charisma. It is a grace gift. And I've never seen it listed in the list of spiritual gifts, but maybe it should be. So it is a gift. Now, singles right away, let me ask you the question. uh, Do you look at singleness as, as a gift or not? The Bible calls it that. Now, he gets a little bit further in this when he says that each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So what gift is single? Okay, but what gift, what is he getting at there? Is it merely the fact that you are not married? It is a gift to be not married. Some married people would say that, okay? But is that what Paul is saying? No. Here is what, it's more than that. It is the ability from God to live sexually pure and content in Christ. Singleness, a Christian single, has a gift from God. If you are single, it doesn't matter if you're a divorcee, a widower, never been married, whatever. There is a gift that comes with your marital status under the sovereign hand of God, which is the ability by God's grace to live in that condition Content, striving for that, and also sexually pure, which is certainly God's will. So singleness is a gift. Now, many singles uh, would not describe their singleness as a gift. They are unhappy about it. They are discontented about it. Uh, Much like many married people are uh, not so happy about the gift of marriage as well. It goes both ways, for sure. But this is why when it comes to these things that we are, our feelings about our status in life, we cannot begin with our feelings about it. If I begin with my feelings about it, I'm going to be, and frankly, that's the case for me. Some days in my singleness, I'm kind of happy about it. Okay? Kind of happy about it. Some days, though, I'm depressed about it. 
So if I begin with my feelings and assessing whether or not I'm content in my status, I'm going to be like this all the time. We must begin with what God has to say about it. And God says that singleness is a gift. So guess what? I should look at it as a gift as well. Married people, by the way, marriage is also a gift. Singleness is a gift. Marriage is a gift. Singleness has privileges and responsibilities. Marriage also has uh, uh, privileges and responsibilities. They are both gifts from God. Now, apparently, Paul had an extraordinary contentment in his singleness. And in saying that, I don't think that we need to view the Apostle Paul as some sort of like, uh, you know, Let me say it the other way. I'm sure the Apostle Paul was a normal man. He strikes me as a very masculine man, which means that, you know, did he ever, as he's walking the streets of Thessalonica, notice a pretty woman that walked by? I think so. Okay, I I want to believe that. (laughs) So I could have comfort in that. And uh, he didn't look twice, though. As Billy Graham said, lust is the second look. And so... Uh, he, he had the normal desires and the normal, you know, uh, inherent embedded passions that being a red-blooded male has. However, he had also a contentment in his singleness, which fit really well with God's call in his life. I mean, can you imagine if he wasn't single? If if Paul was married and all the things that God had called him to do and being the apostle to the Gentiles and traveling the world, if you read the list of things that were done to him, his beatings, his persecutions, you know, his journey in the, the, it it talks about, you know, spending nights uh, afloat in the ocean, all these things, if he was married, it would have been, it would have been such an impediment to him accomplishing what God had called him to do. Uniquely, the apostle Paul. So he sees in his singleness God's calling and God's gifting. And that gifting, again, for us singles, is an ability from God. This comes from God. Naturally, I don't have that ability. In my flesh, I am like any other uh, red-blooded American male uh, you know, that we might meet here. I'm just normal, right? And, and you are too if you are single, Okay. But now as a Christian with the Holy Spirit and with all the promises of God at work in me and the sovereign hand of God working to uh, fulfill this work in me, making me into the image of, of Jesus Christ, now I've got resources on my side from which I can draw and actually come to a place where I am okay with my singleness. And this is why whiny single Christians are such... They're so annoying to God and to other people. And the reason that I know that is that I have been a whiny Christian single, like once, I remember. And (laughs) this is not honoring to God. He has given a gift. His word says it is a gift. The Bible says that we can be happy in the gifts that God gives to us. And if I look at the gift that he's given and I say, this is not good, this is bad. I am doing disservice and dishonoring the giver of the gift. Just like whiny married people. If you're, there are whiny married people too. 
And oh, my marriage isn't what I want. Or this person, he's not what I thought. She's not what I thought. And they get all like this. And God's in heaven going, I gave you a precious gift. And when we get all discontented and we, we, uh, we talk about the good things that God has given to us in a way where we don't think they're good, it is dishonoring to God. And we have to be very careful about this. And I think we have to be careful about how we even joke about these kind of things. And right now you're going, well, that's the pot tolling the, the kettle black. Because I certainly lead the parade of uh, sort of joking about singleness and dating and marriage and all that. If you've come here for any amount of time, you know that. And I'm going to do it a few more times in this sermon even. So uh, we, we, I think it's okay to joke about it. But in that, we can't give the impression. Here's the thing. We cannot give the impression that Jesus Christ is not enough in my life for me to be happy. That I need something else or I am not going to be uh, fulfilled. That there's, there's this other thing that I must have more than, more than Christ. Now here's the funny thing. I wrote this sermon largely on Friday. And yesterday I could have kicked myself for something that I did yesterday uh, yesterday morning, I was out working on the yard yesterday morning. And as I'm working uh, on the yard and doing different things, here comes around in my subdivision, here comes this uh, young, kind of young family. Okay, so there's the dad, there's the mom, cute little daughter pulling the wagon, you know, a friend was with them. It was like just classic Saturday morning Americana. Here comes this family. And I don't know who they are. And so I happen to be out at the end of my driveway and I'm like, hey, and they're like, hey, and I said, where do you guys live? And they said, we just moved in around the corner. I'm like, oh, welcome to the neighborhood. Great to have you. And, uh, and, I, and so we got sort of chatting, as you know, who are you and this is your daughter and all this. And, and I said, oh, well, you know what, that, home, that house right there, they've got kids at their house. And, uh, you know, th- these people here are nice, and, and they, they've got a kid. And we sort of walked, you know, looked around and just identified the, the, the kid homes for them. And then they said, uh, do you have any kids? And I said, uh, uh, no, I am single, but looking. I'm like, What? Looking? I don't even know these people. And in my heart, I know that they're walking away like this, you know, with the wagon going, desperate. Oh. Am I desperate? I don't know. Why would I say that? Why define myself by my marital status? Right away, hi, I'm looking. <laughs> it doesn't matter that much. Why? Well, I, have, I do not know why I said that. And, and the sad thing now is they walk away. They don't know me. They could, they could be visiting today. <laughs> I don't know. But they don't know me. And, and I may never have the chance to go to them and say, I'm not desperate. I'm not desperate. I live for Jesus. That's what matters. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to say that to them. Now they have this impression. And... This is the kind of thing that 